small shifts are the key to being a leader in e-commerce. And if you don't have that mindset, I, I think you're doomed to fail. You might get lucky a couple of times, but you're not going to have the success rate that you would have otherwise. I'm Brian Kramer. I believe that one of the most valuable gifts you can give yourself is making smaller shifts. It's the small shifts in our lives that can create epic outcomes. Your journey to be more deeply connected into the life you truly deserve starts right now. Welcome to the Humanly Possible podcast. This podcast reminds us that being human is imperfect and to itself, and it's our greatest competitive advantage. Listen in and be inspired by another human who has taken maybe some missteps and, and some sex successes at the same time and recovered by making little small degree shifts along the way that made a massive difference. I'm excited to introduce uh, Charlie Cole. Charlie's a good friend of mine, and this is not our first time interviewing. It probably won't be our last time uh, if, I, if I know us. Um, Charlie was named Chief Executive Officer of FTD in March of 2020, so very recently. And so that'll be excited to talk about. Um, Charlie brings extensive digital and retail leadership experience, obviously, to FTD. Uh, the reason is, and that's his background, and his background is like, we have, that could be a whole podcast, but I'll just, just tell you about the highlights. He most recently served as the first global chief e-commerce officer for Samsonite, while also serving as chief digital officer for Toomey, which I have more Toomey products sitting in my garage than I know it well, I know what to do with them, but I, they're sitting in my garage anyway, um, it, which was acquired by Samsonite. And then prior to Samsonite, Charlie had executive positions and led digital transformation at several companies, including Assembled Brands, where he was the CEO of the line, Shift Nutrition, a leading nutritional supplement company, acquired by Reckitt Benixter. Hopefully I said that right. Benixter. Ben Kieser. Close enough. <laughs> And lucky brand jeans, and the list goes on. So anyway, Charlie, thank you so much for being here. And um, wow, what a what a career! Yeah, it's uh, it's had its twists and turns. That's that's for sure. But it's yeah, stoked to see you again, Brian. Like it's a uh, it's an, We were joking right before this that it's kind of an odd time for everybody, but seeing a friendly face is never a bad thing. That that's my hope um, here. And for those of you listening, we actually are on uh, Zoom, so we get a chance to actually see each other. I was about to say that probably sounded really stupid for those that are listening to this via podcast, <laughs> not realizing that you and I can see each other. But thank you for that. <laughs> so I'm curious, and I'm sure everybody else is curious. Um, first and foremost, about the shifts that you're just seeing, like right now, uh, you're you're in a you're in a delivery business, right? Is that how you would position? Yeah. Say. Um, and in the delivery business, there's a lot to think about now more than ever. Um, and there's a whole digital perspective out there. And there's so many different little shifts and turns. Um, as you're becoming a new CEO of this company, what is your, what, what, what shifts would you like to make? What are you seeing? Well, I think contextualizing this with kind of the meta shifts that happened just when I took this job is important because the tiny ones, the, the little shifts here and there that are largely predicated by our internal ability or culture or, or, or whatever it may be, kind of have to be bracketed with the massive shifts that the entire world's undergone, right? And so I started on March 23rd. And on March 21, Illinois issued their state and shelter-in-place order. 
So on my first day, it was the first day that the team at FTD in 110 years had ever been working 100% virtually. Uh, and so you want to talk about a macro shift. It, it, in a weird way, Brian, it, it almost put us all on a level playing field because all of us were wondering what the heck was going on, right? And so um, because of that, the, the minor things we had to do internally in order to kind of get to where we need to be, and, and something that's probably not obvious to the majority of your, your listeners, but and to be perfectly candid, it wasn't obvious to me until I joined FTD. Um, our biggest, most important peak of the year is Mother's Day, which this year was May 10th. Um, to put it plain, it's about a two-week peak. Me starting on March 23rd, I had about a month. We had about a month to get the company in place that we could deliver on, on their Mother's Day promises. So I thought the most important thing that needed to be done internally was to basically kind of shift the mindset of what FTD had historically known as a CEO. Uh, and I just basically did everything I could to connect with our organization. You know, you, you think about all the things we take for granted in an office setting, you know, running into each other, getting a cup of coffee, waving to each other in a hallway, parking next to each other outside, all that stuff's gone, right? So it forced us to be remarkably intentional about our conversations. And so I spent the first five weeks of, the, of my employment here, uh, I'd set aside three hours a day. Um, I'd set aside basically for 15 minute meet and greets. So you think about that, I could do 12 a day, 60 a week, 300 over, over five weeks and, and just met as many human beings as possible. And that is probably a complete shift from what I would have done if we had had an office. You know, what I, what I would have done is I would have gotten in and done like strategic and vision planning and, you know, like done all the stuff that you're supposed to do, quote unquote, as an executive. But instead, I think in this time where humanity as a whole has been exposed for better and worse in so many ways. I had to think about it in a much more human way and realizing that in order to accomplish our long-term, mid-term, short-term goals, everybody had to feel like we were in it together. And the most important thing for me was to just kind of make myself available. And um, I second-guessed it a lot. I kept asking myself, like, is this truly the best use of my time? Because what I'm doing in those three hours, I'm not answering any emails. I'm not doing any analysis. I'm not putting together any board decks. I'm not talking to our investors. You know, It's theoretically not accretive to the bottom line, but I would argue it was probably the most important shift I made. It's sort of creating a mindset that was, let's make sure that we all feel stable as a culture that is, that is in motion for like the first time. And we've never done this before. And so that was a huge shift in my mindset and, and something that uh, I look back on and I'm quite proud of. And yet, you still have to kind of approach it with a little modicum of doubt because you're always going to wonder if you could have done better. But I feel like that was the right shift at the time for for my first few weeks within the organization. So you're kind of uh, you're kind of warming up my heart here because the the strategy you're talking about is a little human to human. Yeah, I, I I was thinking about saying that, but I, I didn't want to steal your plug for you. Like I, you know, I, I, I thought you should tee that one up. <laughs> But I'm so excited that um, that you know while we're still here in a virtual world, it really very much is um, you know uh, an emotional state. You know and how we connect with other people is probably at the at the core of what you just said. And um, it'll it, maybe you saw some of the the outcomes from that already, or maybe it's too soon. Um, no, it, it it's know. been amazing. Um, my favorite story, Brian, that I think personifies the whole sort of experiment if you will. Experiment's probably not the right choice of words, but I've never done it before. I didn't know I was going to go. So I guess it's kind of accurate. Um, I also started writing a weekly blog 
which unlike you, Brian, I am not a good writer. It's not something I feel comfortable doing. It's not something that is, is natural to me. I'm much more comfortable in this setting, talking, um, than I am writing. Um, but again, in this desire to sort of make everybody feel like they were part of this massive change, this massive transformation that we were going to go through to make them a part of it, I feel like the least I can do. So uh, I can also, you know, I had a lot of help. Uh, our, our general counsel, Scott, Scott Levin, our head of HR, Joe Brinkman, and then also uh, one of my best friends also joined us as our CTOs. His name's Matt Powell. They would edit my documents just so I felt like a little bit more comfortable writing, but that's not here nor there. But um, one of them said, by the way, like we're kind of starting from scratch here. If you have an idea, let me know. Shoot me an email. And, and I was really happy to see that 15, 20, 25 ideas came in. And one of them was from this guy named Charles Hill. And Charles wrote me like an eight bulleted, here's an idea, here's an idea, here's an idea, here's an idea. And I replied to him and I gave him my thoughts on every one of the ideas. And the next email back to me was, you know, Charlie, I've been at this company for seven years. And I think that's the first time someone in the C-suites ever responded to one of my emails. And that was both remarkably gratifying, but it showed the amount the organization needed to shift to like a spirit of transparency, to a spirit of collaboration. Uh, and it did a great job of showing both the challenge and the opportunity in one, you know, 15 word email. So I, I just think, Brian, like I, overall, the results, like the financial results have been amazing, right? And so since I've joined, we've been very, very proud of that. And I can't point to any one interaction, Brian, and tell you that it's because we're collaborating better as humans. But I do believe that you're more likely to work for someone and work hard for a partner that you feel like is a partner, right? And so I just think everybody feels better about what we're accomplishing on a day-to-day basis. And while it's hard to quantify, and, and as an analyst, I love quantifying things, I have to believe that just this general rising tide lifts all boats theory is, is happening with our morale internally. And that's just making this a, a lot more fun to succeed together. Wow. How fun. How fun. I, I, I do want to talk to you as well about just your, your career. And as you look back, maybe just even life in general, um, and, and maybe around a small shift at the time. Um, but, and, and, you know, something that really, it wasn't, it wasn't a massive thing. It was just a really small, uh, either intentional or unintentional thing. And it ended up being a big shift. It ended up actually becoming so, such a bigger thing than what, what it was maybe originally intended to be. So I think it seems small. Um, when you look at my LinkedIn, which is sort of a little teaser of where I'm going with this. When I left Lucky Brand and was looking for my next job, um, two jobs sort of presented themselves. And I think at the time I was call it 28. So I was, I was, I was, in, had been an executive of my career, sort of working my way and, and, and getting some semblance of a personal brand, even though I hate that phrase, but you get the idea. And I found this fork in the road moment, or, or more importantly, the, the fork in the road kind of found me, right? Where two jobs sort of presented themselves at the same time. And one was an executive role in fashion, where I'd go from a vice president title to a president title, from an $80 million to a $200 million PL, um, moved to New York City. You know, so on paper, Brian, like the dream next step. And, and if you're if you're thinking about it as a uh, what do you want your resume to look like, quote unquote, this was building block. This was okay. He's moving up in responsibility, he's moving up in title, he's moving up in PL. It's it's everything you think a job should be, right? And I went and interviewed for it. And the, the person that I was interviewing with, who's the CEO of the company, said to me, you know, just so you know, I consider this to be our most important store manager position, which 
he was referring to the website. And, and, and by the way, that is antithetical completely how I think about what a digital leadership is. Right? I don't think about it as a PL because it has to be more than that. So I leave there and, and I liked everybody I was meeting. <laughs> the other job was I was going to go build e-commerce from scratch out of vitamin company. So a, a VP title, so linear title change. Um, I'm going to move from fashion to vitamins. I'm going to move from an $80 million P&L to a $0 P&L. Uh, I'm going to move to Emeryville, California. So it's, it's you know, just outside of San Francisco, but it's not a big city. It's not New York. It's not sexy. It doesn't look great on a resume. And so not the cookie cutter on paper next step that you theoretically hope for. And then I met the CEO. Uh, the CEO is a guy's name, Tarang Amin. And Tarang said to me, hey, Charlie, I don't know anything about digital, but I do know it needs to be the central part of organization. And you don't know anything about consumer packaged goods. And so I just think this is such a unique opportunity for us to learn from each other and do great things. Hmm. And I made the decision at that point to basically shift off a linear path. Um, financially, at the time, it wasn't a massive shift. Uh, I was moving either way, so that wasn't a massive shift. But that has had just a crescendo moment of my entire life because I went from moving in a very linear way, which I think by definition, Brian, and, and I know you've had experiences like this in your life too. I went from moving this linear way where you can only learn so much from one type of human being, right? So if I'm in fashion my whole life, I fundamentally believe I will learn less than if I bounce around a little bit. That's not meant to be derogatory, by the way. Like there's nothing wrong with being in fashion life. You just get exposed to different things, like living in one city versus living in 400. It's just different. And so making that shift made me realize how much more I had to learn, right? Because I, I sat in meetings with Tarang for about a month and I'm like, dude, this guy's different level. Like, like I, 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 I am not nearly as good as I thought I was. I have so much to learn. Uh, and do that as at a relatively young age. It's the, it's the moment I look back at and I'm so incredibly grateful that I made that decision. And, and look, I, I took this job in March, like you referenced, um, about 10 years after I took that job, Tarang was one of my references. Um, still someone I consider a, a mentor to this day. And it's just because I personally identified the need to learn from other people. And that shift in mindset versus trying to pander to a perception of what a resume should be uh, was the most important decision I ever made in my life. So seemingly small on paper, but just this, this crescendo moment of my life. Wow. Wow. I got some goosebumps when you were talking there at the end about him becoming your, your mentor and your, um, your even just a, a testimonial for you that, um, it, it, you know, I, it, I also, while you were talking, it kind of took me back to, I don't know, you probably remember, maybe not. We did an interview at an IBM conference, the two of yeah. us sitting there. And at the time that, you know, it seemed like it was new age kind of stuff. Now looking back, it's, you know, it's kind of, um, what is it called? Table stakes. Um, yeah. And so, you know, what we were talking about, which was e-commerce and, um, and, and, uh, and, and integration and social media and all that kind of stuff. Um, and what, what fascinates me the most and what I'm curious about the most, even looking back on that conversation is it's still about like small adjustments that you can make. You can't come into any organization and ravage the organization and, and take anything and, and go, okay, here's what we're going to do. Even though you built it from scratch in that case, and even along the way, I'm interested how you look at 
carving away things, um, when you're, whether it's e-commerce or anything that you're doing, leadership now, um, how do you chip away? How do you make those small shifts over time? Otherwise, it just looks like, I mean, to me, it would look like this big daunting thing that I need to take on and convert, but you can't look at it that way. No, it's, it, it's something that I think, Brian, like this concept of small shift is inherent in any great digital leader. Because I've been preaching to our organization here at FTD, don't guess, test, right? And so if you think back to marketing right around the time I was born, so I was born in 1982. Let's just use 1982 as an example. Marketing was you do consumer research, you do your best guess on how people are going to respond, and then you invest a lot of money in creative and media and, and, and you put up billboards and you do a Super Bowl ad or whatever it is. And then you sit back and you hope. Um, I would argue that today you do not need to make those kind of risks. And so to your point, this desire to test and iterate, test and iterate, test and iterate can be applied in so many different ways, right? So I'll, I'll tell you another sort of potentially controversial point of view. I think the concept of a website redesign is stupid. Um, I think the idea of going out there and wholeheartedly changing your website in one fail swoop, as opposed to let's mess around with the header and then let's mess around with the homepage looks like, and let's mess around with the footer and then let's mess around with the listing page and like let's mess around with the PDP page. After three months, you will have fully redesigned your website, right? It'll look entirely different, but you will have done it in a series of small shifts versus one big guess. And what that allows you to do, it allows you to get a constant feedback loop. Because I guarantee you, if you and I, Brian, and like another 50 smart people got in a room and looked at FTD's website, we can come up with a lot of thoughtful things that we could change. And then we could, if we wanted to, put together like a holistic wireframe with a creative overlay on what our website should look like. 50 smartest people in the world. I guarantee you, we're going to mess up a lot. We're going to be wrong about a lot of things. And that's just the way it is because humans are unpredictable, Right. So just test everything instead. And so this is sort of the natural aspect of e-commerce that I think makes small shifts so endemic in us, right? Where you have to want to iterate and you do not need to guess. And, and this applies to virtually everything. It applies to creative. It applies to, um, we're talking about switching out our packaging, like the box our flowers come in. How hard is it for me to send 10,000 to these people, 10,000 to these people, 10,000 to these people, and then monitor their lifetime value, monitor their net promoter score? This is how we should all be thinking. So I would argue small shifts are the key to being a leader in e-commerce. And if you don't have that mindset, I think you're doomed to fail. You might get lucky a couple of times, but you're not going to have the success rate that you would have otherwise. Wow. I think, I think that's going to become the, uh, the recording that I use now for my entire uh, podcast. <laughs> Sweet. That's so a, I'm honored. <laughs> that answer could not have been more perfect. Um, I... I'm curious if you're shifting and iterating uh, and and testing, um, and and it's there's I mean this could be a whole another interview into itself because when you're testing and iterating, it's not just we're not just talking about um, like the technical side. We're also talking about people and and changing behavior internally and externally. And there's just so many moving parts. Um, and if you're constantly iterating and testing, where's the celebration? Um, where's the win? So. I'm going to answer this question in a, in a bit of a operational mindset. Big wins are easy. 
right? It's really easy to point out revenue and loss and profit and EBIT and operational efficiencies and all that sort of stuff. So you need to do a good job of celebrating the true successes because ultimately, Brian, we're a for-profit company owned by private equity at a certain level. And I don't say this to sound callous. I just say this to sound pragmatic. Money talks, right? If we're making more money than we're expected, we're doing well, right? That's the big win. But even there, I would argue that most organizations don't do a good job communicating that down to the highest level, lowest levels of the organization. And, and, and low is the wrong choice of words, but I bet you if there's you know 100,000 people listening to this, 95,000 of them don't really know how their company's doing right now. They know in broad strokes, right? But they don't know the good and bad. And so to me, right away, you start to talk about transparency within the organization. And I believe that that shift, the shift to a transparent organization is going to build the culture needed for that iterative feedback loop, right? So if we do something, and and I'll give you a perfect example for our modern society, we're really struggling with the concept of what an office means anymore and when we should be going back to an office. There are organizations that are going to make that decision top down and be like, you know what, Brian, I've given this a lot of thought. People are back in the office August 1st. Instead of, hey, I'm going to go talk to 50 people that are in tech, that are in marketing, that are in finance, that have a desk job, that don't have a desk job, and be like, what do you think we should do? And right there is a test of your culture. If you get honest conversations and if you get honest feedback, that becomes that iterative loop, just like analytics are in e-commerce testing. And and I've been doing this thing this week, which was... uh, it's kind of, it's called a coffee break, but basically at noon every day I do office hours, right? And I open it up to 12 to 14 people. And I basically say, guys, gloves off. Is there anything you guys want to talk about? And, and inevitably everybody comes back to what's going on with the office and it's natural. And so I kind of feel like that is our feedback, Brian, but it only works if people feel like they're a part of this. And I, and I, that's why for me, those big wins, those transparent revenue and financials that are pushed through the entire organization allow you to do the small things. It allows you to celebrate conversion rate and traffic and dropship percentage versus florist percentage and new florist signups. And you get into these lower level operational metrics. To me, all of it's going to fail if they don't feel like they're a part of the larger culture. And so I, I really think that's important. And that's how you get to those celebrations of wins because then everybody knows what they are, right? And, and instead of having it pushed to them, they, they feel like they're part of a process. Mm. And you know, again, we're we're back to um, we're back to people. It's no matter how digital our business becomes, it's a it's a it's a people first business. Um, from yeah, what I'm, and what I'm and, and the thing I think digital leaders can always forget. Eventually, it comes back to a generative, creative idea, right? So I can test and iterate and optimize and do everything to a website you can possibly imagine. Once I have something to start with, right, and so that generative creative is always going to be people-oriented. You need to identify folks that want to think in a kind of an idealistic bubble. I'm always telling our creative director, Annalise, it's your job to think in a frictionless, idealist mindset. And then it's our job to bring you back to reality and operationalize that. But this is where I think maybe digital has done a disservice to the world, is that we assume that everything can be analyzed and optimized. That's true if you have something to begin with. And I think that's where like the, the best balances of companies are places that strive for creativity as much as they strive for analytical excellence. I don't think you can isolate 
to just one. And, and um, especially if you're a brand who ultimately, you know, we sell emotions. We sell the celebration of a, of a baby. We sell the morning of a loss. We sell a, celebrate a birthday. We celebrate love for Valentine's Day. If we're not emotional and if we're not creative about that, we will fail. We can't just science this thing. As much as I believe in analytics, and analytics as you know, Brian, I believe as much. And as we're doing our company value exercise, we're making sure, look, accountability is important, but so is letting your brain wander a little bit and being creative. Um, and that's where I think digital can sometimes lose the, lose the pulse a little bit. Mm. Oh, so good. So good. Um, I, I want to close this out, uh, unfortunately, because I could, I could sit and talk to you all day. But um, I do want to close this out by asking you uh, here one last question about leadership um, and specifically a lesson that you learned that changed the way you approach business um, at any point in your life that you just learned something that meant so much to you that you go, you went, wow, this is, this is going to change the way that I, I work, the way that I, I run a business or work within a business. I know exactly what it is. And it's actually going to go back to Terang. Um, I want to give a, a tip of the cap to my other mentor, uh, Jerome Griffith, who was my CEO at Toomey, because he's my close number two uh, answer. Um, he had this line, Brian, which is, I've never stopped working with someone for being wrong, but I have stopped working with people for not admitting when they're wrong. I love that tidbit. So that's my silver medal. And now I'll give you my gold medal. Um, Terang said as CEO, and I'm paraphrasing, he's probably going to listen to me. Listen, I never said that, but you know, he did say something like this, that his job as the CEO is to make sure you have the tools to do your job. And that changed my way of thinking about leadership, right? Don't tell someone what to do. Make sure they feel like they have the tools around them to accomplish what they know they need to do. So we're having a big conversation about FTD's customer experience and what best in class looks like and how we get there. My job is not to be like, hey, guys, let's make sure we have the best customer experience. Go. My job is to basically be like, what are all the things we need to get there? Right? We need more inventory visibility with our florists. We need a better relationship with UPS. We need a better forecasting system with our growing partners in Colombia to make sure we're selling fresh flowers. Right. So these are identifying the tools to do the job as opposed to leading at a dictatorial level. Um, so that's sort of servant leadership that Terang sort of personified with this idea of what do you need as opposed to do. And, and that to me has just changed the way I've led. And, and I honestly think before then, Brian, and, and again, this was, I was relatively young, I was 28. Um, before then, I think I was just more of a search and destroy leader. Just go do this because I said so. Oh, you don't have the tools? Work harder. You know what I mean? Like I was that kind of command and control leader. Uh, and just seeing what a better leader looks like changed me for the better. I, at least I like to think. Mm. Great words. And Charlie, I, um, I'm, I'm so honored and, and excited to have watched from the outside looking in all of these different changes and perspectives and growth and, and, um, and also my hats off to you for what you've accomplished and what you're about to do. So um, thank you so much for spending the time here today. Yeah, it was always a good time to talk to you. I, I look forward to doing it in person sooner than later, uh, God, God willing. Thank you so much for joining us this week. If you love this episode, please subscribe. We love having subscribers just like you. Download a few more episodes. And if you feel moved, we would so appreciate a review. 
I'd love to also hear your key takeaway. What impacted you from this episode? You can tweet me your answer and reach out on Twitter at Brian Kramer. That's Brian with a Y, Kramer with a K. And definitely be sure to join us in our Facebook group. We have just under 3,000 humans just like you and me looking to connect even more imperfectly. Until next time.